The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, let's let's get into the Word of God uh, this afternoon. Then, Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. 2 Corinthians 4. Now, <clears throat> I, some of us, I heard some of us laughing, so I guess you heard a little bit about my boys. They're in a very, very deep sleep right now. And so mommy's with them, making sure when they wake up, they're not startled, because I don't know if they might wake up and not remember where they're at. And so, um, Josh will be back, and we'll be in sometime shortly here. And again, it's good to see Charles here. I just met him a moment ago. Pastor told me about him. He's from Shanghai, but has been in America for 20 years. Yeah, so I'm glad he'd be here this afternoon. Gary, again, happy birthday. And he mentioned he wasn't sure if he could make it for this afternoon's service. He's a special family engagement, and, and uh, everyone's here to celebrate your birthday. So, Brother Gary is now a uh, happy 21st birthday. <laughs> but what does it matter, right? In eternity, you know, <laughs> we're all young in the Lord, so. Um, all right, <laughs> so, praise the Lord. Yes, we are supposed to be truthful. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Let's just begin in verse number 1 again. We'll just read the whole, uh, ver- the whole context. Verse 1 or verse number 7. We'll read this again. Uh, let's just maybe stand for the reading of the Word of God way um, over the next two hours you'll still be okay because at least you can stand this time I'm just kidding not two hours hey, wait uh, church service starts at six right so if you get to about no no, no. <laughs> we can read we can read together um, verse one through seven let's begin verse number one therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God, uh, that the power may be of God and not of us. Lord, we thank you for uh, giving us the written word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that illuminates us, that gives us understanding so that we can see and we can comprehend accurately, correctly, your truth. And Father, we pray that you would help us to truly obey and follow. Lord, you've never had a problem leading us, but sometimes, Lord, in our pride, our selfishness, we don't always want to follow your leading. And so move upon us that we may both will and to do of thy good pleasure. We'll please have the preeminence during this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. 
we'll just review briefly this idea of mercy. Um, mercy and grace, they're, they're related, but they're still a little bit different. How did we define mercy scripturally, biblically? What is mercy? Mercy is, there's forgiveness involved. There is the idea of how God forgives us, and God doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor reward us according to our inequities. That is mercy. And at times, we need to be merciful to others. We think, well, that person hurt me, and so they don't deserve that. I need to get back at them. And, but God wants us to be merciful, as our Heavenly Father is merciful towards us. And when we look at verse number 2 here, um, because God's been merciful towards us, and He has allowed us to see the truth, that we ought to be different. Uh, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And here it talks about the willingness to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, I'm sure because universally we're sinners everywhere, but I know that in China, a lot of places, uh, people question, there's still a lot of outdoor markets in China, and I didn't really understand the verse in Proverbs, I think Proverbs 11, where the Bible says that, um, I'm sorry, let's see, Proverbs 11, I'm, uh, I'm, I didn't get my nap in, <laughs> Proverbs 11, where it says something about those weights, what is that, Something does that, you know what I'm talking about, about the weights, what, are, what, is, what is that referring to? Oh, that's right. Proverbs 11.1. 1. I don't know the reference. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What are, these, what are these weights talking about here? A false balance? What's this balance talking about? And what are these just weights? You know, a lot of the outdoor markets there in China, what I've been told is, boy, you can't trust their scales. And that means constantly they're ripping their customers off. That's just the way of life. You know, they say it's, um, they don't use pounds or ounces. They use jin or gong jin, which you could ask Brother Charles how to change like that in, in, the, in the English. But they are constantly deceiving their customers. They say, well, we'll charge this much per pound. But they're all, they're, every time they're selling something, it doesn't matter if it's fruit or vegetables or meat. They're, they're telling you that this is weight, but it's, it's heavier than it really is. And so that's their, their way of life. In fact, if you are honest, people might think you're, you're really strange. Why are you being honest? I mean, just be this honest and make more money. And, um, but here, because, boy, as Brother Gary mentioned, we're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to be honest. And unfortunately, there's so many people in our world today, boy, they're even they're misusing ministry. They're, misusing, they're mishandling the word of God for, well, what does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all evil, which some have coveted after an ear from the faith, and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 there. But notice the end of verse 2 there. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, look at the word conscience there. Let's look at Acts 24, verse 16. Acts 24, verse 16. To every man's conscience in the sight of God. Acts 24, verse 16. Acts 24, verse 16. 
conscience, conscience. Con is with science, knowledge, with knowledge. What does a conscience do? Why did God give us a conscience? Yes, why do we have a conscience? Directs our thoughts and behavior, okay. And how does it work? I'm sorry. They do, but before they violate it, um, okay, they do. Why do they violate their conscience? What does it do? Why, why do we violate our conscience all the time? Yes. Yes, it discovers or, or reviews some of the, the, either the evil that we're thinking about doing. Okay. Um, spur of the moment, spontaneous, premeditated. And, and we don't like it when it says, this is what you th- how you're thinking is not right. And, um, but we violate that. But as we look at Acts chapter 24, verse number 16, here it says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Uh, do we have a clear conscience? Someone once said this, that the most comfortable pillow you could sleep on is a clear conscience. I mean, who wants to go to bed every night and just thinking, boy, my conscience is bothering me. You know, I did something, I said something to someone that I shouldn't have. I lost my testimony. I lost my reputation. How am I supposed to ever influence them for, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, by my actions, my deeds, what I said. And so... Um, Let's go back to this idea of conscience here. That's why we get to verse number 3 here of 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. If our gossip be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And again, this is worth understanding or thinking about, pondering, analyzing. Why would we even hide the gospel? Now, I mentioned we might hide the gospel this morning because the gospel is offensive. To tell people, it is the good news. We, because God has enlightened us. He's opened up our eyes. We're able to see the good news of how it applies to you and I, you realize, well, it is good news. Now, God didn't just, was just completely merciful and forgave us and didn't enforce the law. He didn't enforce the law, did he not? But he enforced the law upon himself. The wages of sin is death, but we know in Romans 5 eight. but God commended his love toward us, or he demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He enforced the law upon himself. So he didn't just say, okay, I just, I just forgive you. Don't worry about it. You know, your sin is okay. No, no, it wasn't okay. Now, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But I know we're familiar with this. It was, it's free to us, but it was not cheap. I mean, the price was his only begotten son. And as really consider this, why do we hide this precious gift? It's not because I'm waiting for Christmas time or birthday time before I, I show this gift to my children. Why, do we, why, do we, why would we hide this gift? Because sometimes... Uh, it's, it's, just, it's not easy to share this gift sometimes. Because people need to humble themselves and say, wow, we are sinners in God's sight. We're under God's wrath. We're condemned already. We deserve the death penalty and we deserve to go lake of fire. And boy, most people, we're just too proud for that. And so they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to repent. And that's why it makes it difficult. But here's another reason. Because I don't know if our conscience is clear, if it's void of offense toward God or toward, toward men. But let's consider a few classical examples here. Uh, let's think of Jonah here. Jonah. Did Jonah want to go to Nineveh? 
he did not want to go to Nineveh. He says, boy, I don't want them to repent. I don't want them to know of God's judgment. I, I, I hope that God wipes them out. He says, For, yet 40 days and thou shalt be destroyed. He says, boy, I can't wait till those 40 days pass. But why did he not want to go there and bear God's message to them? I said, I want to hide God's truth. Forget it. I mean, they're already blind. Leave them that way. Leave them in darkness. See, if this whole auditorium was dark, it doesn't matter if my glasses has the right prescription. I won't be able to see a thing. Because it's dark. He says, hey, I want to leave them in the dark. Now, why did he want to hide the, the God's message from the Ninevites? Because there was prejudice. You know, if we know geography or a little bit of history, what, what type of place was Nineveh? What, what place is Nineveh? It is, yes. Yes. It, it was a very sinful city. Yes, it was. It was probably very dangerous as well. Okay. Um, but what particular reason, before, before he even considered going there, why did he not want to go there? There was fear, there was brutality. Okay. Those are real reasons. Okay, I don't want us to think what is the most dangerous place in, in, in America. The per capita, the crime rate, the, the homicide rate. Do we know this question? What, what, what's the highest homicide rate in America? What, what, what part? Is, is it Chicago? Is it really? Hmm, there was a certain senator and a certain president from that area. I'm not, <laughs> but is, is it really Chicago? Is it? Okay. All right, the Windy City, I, I don't know who wants to go there, but, you know, yeah, there's some danger there. Uh, but there's also another history there. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria, the Assyrians and the Israelites, I mean, they were not good friends at all. And so he didn't want to go there. So he, there wasn't love for these people. He says, I, I don't, if I want to hide God's truth from them, I'll just, I'll just hide it. I don't want to tell them that God has a message of mercy for them. I want them to, 40 days, wipe them out. So he didn't like those people. They were the enemies of his own people, of his own countrymen, the Jews. There's probably another reason. Uh, in in, in uh, Jonah chapter 4, he mentions he was also fearful of another thing. Do you know what that was? He was fearful of what his own countrymen would think of him. He says, if I, let's go there, let's go there. Jonah 4, let's go there real fast. So he, he didn't love the people. In fact, I'm sure uh, in his flesh, humanly speaking, oh, I don't like those people. I mean, they're, 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 we're just enemies. Let's it's just let's wipe them out. God, if you want to destroy them, destroy them. Jonah chapter 4, there's another reason. In Jonah 4, look at verse number 1 here. In Jonah 4, verse number 1, it says here, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord, and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a... Gracious God. God's kindness towards undeserving sinners. He's gracious God. He's full of grace. And merciful. 
slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Oh, is that such a bad thing that God's gracious? That he's merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness? But, you know, he says, boy, in my own country, it kind of indicates that, boy, he was probably also afraid of his own countrymen. He says, how can I ever show my face to Israel or to Judah and go back there and say, yes, I, I bore the message to them. And, you know, you won't believe it, but they responded, they, they repented, and they believed. And, you know, that was all of God's grace. Because it definitely wasn't because of the preacher, amen? The preacher did not have any compassion. The preacher did not love the people he was sharing God's message with. That was all God. But in his heart, he says, I, I want to hide this. I don't want to go there. And I know I've, I've probably shared this in the past, but Jonah, he would have rather die. I mean, when he was on that ship heading to Tarshish, he told the, the people on that ship to throw him overboard. And he would have no, no idea that God would preserve him miraculously by being three days and three nights in the belly of that big fish or that whale. I mean, that was a miracle. So he just said, throw me overboard. He didn't say, all right, let's turn the ship around, okay? Let's, let's just, you know, I'm going the wrong, I'm running from God. I'm disobeying him. He says, throw me overboard. I'd rather just drown in the sea here than to do God's will. And that's a terrible thought. But I want to ask us here uh, this afternoon, it's not an easy thought, but I have to just be honest with, with even myself here are there a group of people in our world even here in america because america it's like a melting pot there's so many nationalities here that maybe boy we we don't like like we see here uh, in jonah's life you know i'll be honest um for where i grew up in it's not easy that and i'll, I'll just use the term people that fly the the rainbow flag around and you know what i'm talking about the rainbow flag but I'll never forget, uh, last summer we were with a, uh, a sister who works in the public school system there in, in San Francisco. I mean, wow. I mean, that's a very difficult situation. And I'm not going to tell you all the stories but I, I, that, she's, that she's even faced within the last 10 to 11 months. But I remember last year she said this. She said, uh, working with those people, she says, you know, we don't have a lot in common. And she's very careful that she tries to just talk about work and, and things that they need to do. And, uh, but I remember this. She said this. She said, you know, I feel sorry for those people. And he says, you know, this life to them, this is their heaven. You know, all these different rights that they're getting more and more acceptance and more of a license to sin in, in, in our country. He says, this is their heaven for them. Uh, for them. But afterwards, you know, it's going to be the lake of fire. And he says, for me, you know, the, the proverbial, you know, on earth. He says, yeah, I'm suffering a little bit of this. I don't, I don't like to deal with this every time I'm at work. But she says, I'm glad I could go home and see my son and see my husband. And I have a church family. And he says, this is just, it's very temporal. But she, she, she responded with a lot of grace. He says, you know, I feel sorry for those people that I have to, I have to work with and deal with. He says, this is just their temporary, quote-unquote, heaven. And as someone once mentioned, but why doesn't God bring fire and brimstone upon that city? But, you know, if you let nature, so to speak, run its course, and you, have, you don't have a supernatural God to step in, boy, you know, I believe even some of those diseases that they have, that's, I mean, that's, I believe that's God's judgment. I think fire and brimstone would actually be uh, merciful. 
compared to if you study what people go through, which the HIV, the AIDS, that is a pretty slow and painful death. We see their, their body just falling apart. But, um, you know, are there a group of, and I have to think, Lord, I, re- I remember just the other day, we were at this, this, this hardware store but have, having to buy some things, and I saw someone that I just thought, hmm, I mean, just the, the, the appearance. Uh, look, look at me to Jeremiah. I think it's in Jeremiah, if I remember correctly. I'm, I'm going off script here. hope you don't mind this. I'm going a little bit off script. But dealing with something in my own heart. I think it's in Jeremiah. If I remember correctly, it's in chapter... Um, let's see here. Cry. I think it's, let's see, if it's not in chapter 2. No. Or chapter 3. I'm going to go by memory here. And my memory is getting worse as I'm getting older. Um, in, well, in Jeremiah, it talks about even their countenances as a, as, as a sin of Sodom. Are you, are you familiar with that verse? It's, uh, let's see, it talks about even, even, even their countenance. You can tell it's kind of, it's fallen. Uh, let's see there. Look at this here. Jeremiah. Isn't Jeremiah, was in Isaiah. Maybe it's in Isaiah. My memory, one of those prophets. It's, uh, look at me, maybe it's in Isaiah. I apologize. I'm going off script here. Um, maybe it's in Isaiah. Isaiah here. Okay, there it goes. Isaiah chapter 3. I apologize. Isaiah chapter 3, verse number 9. Are we okay tonight? Oh, this afternoon? Isaiah 3, verse number 9. Isaiah 3, verse number 9. It says there in Isaiah 3, verse number 9, the, sh- the show of their countenance doth witness, what does it say there? Against them. And they declare their sin as... Sodom, they hide it not, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And you could just see their, their, their countenance. And I remember just being at that hardware store. I saw a person that looked like a lady, but I can also tell it was not a lady. And I, I had been to that, that, that hardware store several times. And this person has helped me at the cashier. And I just, pay it, get down there, <laughs> get my tools and walk out. But I think it was the third or fourth time, and I said, you know, should, should I just leave a track? I mean, I don't know if she's going to scream or tear it up. I don't know what she's going to do with it. And, and, and this, this a couple of weeks ago, I thought, you know, I just, I need to overcome this, my own prejudice. And I said, you know, I'll just leave something uh, for that, that individual. And so um, I don't want to hide something that they need. If we look at, I think it's First Corinthians chapter number... Six, First Corinthians six. First Corinthians six. So Isaiah three nine, their countenance witness against them, uh, that is as a sin of Sodom. There, First uh, Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians six. And when we look at First Corinthians chapter six, it says here, uh, verse number nine. First Corinthians six. 
9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Wow. Such were some of you. Some of these people were in this category. You know, could it possibly be we're hiding the gospel from some particular group because there's a prejudice there? And would God allow us to overcome some of these so we could get the gospel out to more people and see what the Lord can do? Because there were some of these people, they were of this type of lifestyle. Is that right? Okay, but the power of the gospel to change lives. Uh, let me just share with another example. You have the Pharaoh of Jonah. But in spite of who Jonah was, God overruled. Amen. And then it was spared. Um, here's another example here of someone who failed uh, to be a witness. A lot. Lot. I guess I think Lot didn't have a good conscience. If you look at Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13 and verse 10. Genesis 13 verse 10. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Genesis 13, verse 10. This is familiar, but it's good to review. Genesis 13, verse number 10. Are we, are we there? Are we there? Okay. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. And Lot, he chose to go to pitch his tent toward there. And if you look at verse number 13, look at verse number 13, describing the people there. But the men of Sodom were, what kind of people? Wicked and Sinners before the Lord? Exceedingly. So it didn't bother him to go there. But why did he go there? Well, he, he saw the potential of the land there. I mean, wouldn't we want to go, especially in these days? Well, uh, in those days, he says, Wow, he lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And so he went there. He didn't go there because, Wow, I want to be a missionary. And these people were exceeding wicked, but boy, God could change you. Um, so he went there, and boy, yeah, he was a compromiser. And when you look at ch uh, chapter 19, chapter 19, I mean, he, didn't, he did not shine his light. He was, he was fearful, and he, he didn't have a clear conscience. Look at uh, chapter 19 now, chapter 19. This is after God sends a couple of angels, tells him what's going to happen. He is going to judge Sodom. He's going to rain down fire and brimstone. And look at verse number 5, chapter 19, verse number 5 of Genesis, and we'll read the verse number 10 there. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Now these were the people of Sodom. Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That's not, um, let's not just get acquainted, okay? This is, there's more to that. Get to know them in a very perverted manner, okay? In a sense, they want to rape these, these angels. And verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Verse 7, and said, I pray you, brethren, he's calling him brethren, that's you talk about backslidden, compromiser, do not 
so wickedly. Look at verse number 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. I mean, they were virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as it seem good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And then verse 9, and they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. And the men put, their hand, uh, put forth their hand and, sh and pulled Lot into his, the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they worried themselves to find the door. And boy, I mean, Lot, what kind of testimony did he have? What kind of reputation? I mean, how could he bear the light? How could he share what he knew at that time in Genesis about who he knew of, of the Lord God Abraham? I mean, he, he could not have a clear conscience. I mean, he was so compromised, living for the things of this world. And then when, you, when he finally did, uh, as the angels convinced him, he says, is there anyone else out here that you could bring out? And we know the story he brought his wife and his two daughters. But look at verse number 14. Look at 14, verse number 14 of chapter 19 of Genesis. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which, mar which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Boy, you're mocking us. Well, what is this? You know the who? You know who? You know, you've been in Sodom for, for how long? Now, now you're telling me that you, you know somebody? You've been hiding the fact that you have a relationship with the Lord? And they, 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 did not, they, they, they just didn't take him seriously. And at times, if we don't have a conscience clear, that's clear, that's void of offense toward God and toward man, boy, it's really hard for us to want to present the gospel. We just want to hide it because our life is not becoming of the gospel. And that could be a problem. But, you know, that can, that can change. We can experience revival. Amen? Uh, if, let's, let's go back to something else that, ha that has to do with, with Sodom there. Let's go to an interesting passage of Scripture in... Look at me to uh, Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. And look at verse number 20. Matthew 11, verse number 20. Matthew 11, verse number 20. So why do people hide the gospel... Well, it could be some people we have a prejudice against. Um, we're afraid what others would think if we break some type of um, barrier, like whether it's racial barrier, nationality, as far as what Jonah had to uh, really face. It was a reality to him. He says, what will my countrymen think? How can I leave Nineveh and go back to my own country? Because God, I know you're gracious. I know you're merciful. I know you're slow to anger. How can I face them again and say, well, you did what? You, you, you gave them God's message and, and they repented and sat across in ashes and God didn't destroy them after 40 days? Why'd you do that? He says, oh, boy, I should, I should have just drowned and, and <laughs> I ran from God again. But notice this portion, Matthew chapter 11, verse number 20 to 24. It says here, Then began he to abrade the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee. How do you pronounce that city? Horizon. Okay. Woe unto thee. That's say the. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in. Tyre and Sidon. They would have. Repented long ago in. 
sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the, at the day of judgment than for you. Now we'll stop one moment there. What, what, what did Jesus review here from these three verses? Is there, is there a sense of a different level of, of judgment and consequences and punishment? Um, it would seem to say that you have these two places. I don't pronounce these accurately. But you have Chorazin and you have Bethsaida. He says you have a huge wall. It's like this. Wow. I mean, you have it coming to you and it's not good. Okay. I have some extremely bad news for you. How bad? Well, he compares it with two other cities. He says, you've seen some mighty works there, whether it be some miracles of healing or some other miracles there, maybe some devils or unclean evil spirits being cast out. I don't know what, these, uh, what all the particular mighty works were. I believe the preaching of the gospel is a mighty work because the word of God is powerful. Amen? It's powerful. But... They, what does it say? It says, for if the mighty works which were done in you, I mean, you, you experienced it, you've heard it, you've seen it, but they didn't repent. If they were done in these other places, the Tyre and Sidon, these two places would have, what of what? They have repented in sackcloth and ashes, so what happened? Apparently, maybe there were some people there like Lot who failed. He failed his own family. He failed the people there. He was hiding what he knew about God. He kept it from them. But look at number 22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre, uh, Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. So it seems like there's more responsibility. You've heard, you've seen these mighty works, but you didn't repent. So there's going to be, the punishment will be more severe than those who did not have a gospel witness. And, uh, and notice verse 23. This is an amazing verse. Verse 23. And thou... Capernaum, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, extremely prideful, arrogant, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in what place? Sodom. It would have remained until this day. How about that? How about that? What does it mean remain? It will not have been destroyed. But what little light that Lot had, because he knew the Lord through Abraham, but he hid that light. And that is amazing. That it would remain, it would not have been destroyed. And sometimes I don't want to put the onus on God whom he elects. I know that we'll never figure everything out from whosoever will to chosen before the foundation of the world. But I do know this much. That the gospel be hid is hid to them that are lost. And God says very clearly here that, well, these places, if the mighty works were done in thee, were done in these cities, boy, some of these cities would have repented in Sackcloth and Ashes, and Sodom would have remained. But the problem was that Lot failed. And I wonder how many places around California, Northern California, San Francisco Bay, San Pablo Bay, that boy, some families, some family trees, some neighborhoods have remained. There would be fruit that would remain. But because the gospel was hid for whatever reason, fear, prejudice, we're not, we're not shining. 
as the Lord would have us to. Um, are we understanding this? Is, does that make sense? Our gospel would be hid. It's hidden under our lost. How's our conscience? I hope that our testimony, that we're not ashamed that how God's changed our lives, that our temper, what it was before knowing Christ, that our temper has gotten a lot better, that our mouths and what we say, whether it be gossip, or it be um, just, you know, what we say, we're not just saying words we shouldn't say anymore, curse words. And that, boy, we're, we're, we, could, we could shine the light and not be ashamed of the gospel. Lot didn't have a good testimony, so he says, oh, I don't know if I want to... Oh, he's, it was almost like he had to force himself. It's like, okay, these angels are here. All right, I, I better tell my sons-in-laws now. Because, boy, they said, it, it's, boy, they're going to fire. They're gonna, God's going to rain down fire and brimstone. And by that time, boy, it was, it was late. He says, boy, you're, you're mocking us. What? You, you know the Lord? Um, let's, let's get back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in, in closing here. Reasons why sometimes we do hide the gospel. But I pray God would revive us and... We, we would get some of those things right, and we won't, we won't hide the gospel toward the lost. Whether it be Ninevites, whether it be those whose countenance witnessed against them, that there's some of those of Sodom. <clears throat> Verse number four there. Now we have, well, you know what I'm thankful for? This work is not our work, Amen. Because as Pastor said, you know, people who are dead in trespasses and sins, boy, they're already blind. And then now it looks like, boy, they're blind, and the God of this world is also trying to blind them some more? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for, for Jesus' sake. Why was Paul traveling around his missionary journeys? Why was he writing another letter to the Corinthian church? This is the second epistle, as, as far as we understand it, Second Corinthians. He says, I've made myself your servants, but it was for Jesus' sake. Amen. You know, I, I say this, and I say this with all honesty. The Lord knows my heart. Um, I know that I am a second-generation American-born Chinese here. And as I'm here, many people think, well, you, you naturally want to go to China because, boy, you're, you're, that's, you're of Chinese ascent. You have Chinese blood. Now, I don't, I don't go there because I love the communists. <laughs> and I don't go there because, of, because we're blood-related in the sense that I, I'm of Chinese blood. But I want to go there, more importantly, because it's for Jesus' sake. It's for Jesus' sake. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the savior of any person, amen? I didn't die for the Chinese. But it's because of what Jesus did. You know, I, I know a, a good friend of mine. Boy, he, I, mean, I love him to death, but he's, he's from Hong Kong. He's, he's been in, in, China, uh, in America for over 20 years. But, but he's, he's, he, he always says, boy, I, I have a burden for my family. And, and that's, that should be natural. I hope we have a burden for our own family. But the, the, the Bible here doesn't say that, boy, I want to be a servant to other people and be a gospel witness to just my family because we have that, that relationship, that family ties. But, you know, I hope the desire is, it's not because I just love my family, but it's because, boy, I want to be the servant of others for whose sake? For Jesus' sake. Not for the sake of my own countrymen or my own family, but for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. And I did mention it earlier this morning during Sunday school hour that God wants us to be fishers of men. He was talking to fishermen who were professional fishermen. And can we be professional fishers of men for His honor and glory to learn how to catch men for his glory. Now, I use the example of when they were fishing for fish, they, they were casting out nets. It's not just the fishing rod. I mean, it's not just one fish at a time. They're trying to grab a whole bunch of fishes. Is that right? 
It was our livelihood. Now, uh, using my friend's example, I said, boy, how, you know, if you're just going to be concerned about your family, are you just going to throw the rod at your family and then the hook's going to hit them? <laughs> and you're going to keep waiting until they're biting? You know, I, I think the, the gospel is for everyone else. Don't hide it from the rest of the lost world. I says, you know, you need to go beyond just your family. You need to be a servant for, for Jesus' sake and start casting out nets to people you don't know, okay, beyond your family. Get nets and nets and nets, not just the fishing rod. And say, when are you going to bite? Here you go. Here's my lost uncle. When are you going to bite? Here's my lost cousin. When are you going to finally bite and leave that rod there? But we're supposed to, if we follow Jesus, he makes us fishers of men. We're supposed to be casting out nets. Whether it's in Nineveh, in Beijing, China, it's just all around the world. Amen? That's what God wants us to be about our Father's business. Um, so, here's another aspect. We, we preach not ourselves, but we're preaching Jesus. Amen? It's not about our life story or, or experiences, although if, if, it, if it glorifies God, then, then by all means say, boy, this is, this, is, this is of the Lord. This is what He's done in my life. But it's not about short stories about ourselves, but we're preaching Christ Jesus, the Lord. And, I, and we're His servants, amen? We're His servants. We're doing it for Jesus' sake. Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. A few more moments here. 1 Corinthians 6. I remember another honest missionary who served the Lord in Beijing for about 23 years. He said the same thing to the Chinese people. He says, I'm not here because I love the Chinese people. He's being very honest. And I'm sure maybe some of the people in China were like, what? He says, I'm here because the Lord loves me and his love has transformed me. I have a love for you. For me to want to learn Mandarin. But if, if God didn't change me, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't have a natural love for, 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 for the Chinese and it's, it, it, we're doing it for, for the Lord, it's for His sake. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. And that's, that needs to be the transforming power of God to say, you know what, Jonah, I know you don't have a natural love for Nineveh, but I want you to go for my sake, for my sake, for my sake. Amen? We're doing it for the sake of the Lord, for His name's sake. And lo and behold, Nineveh, they turned to God. <clears throat> and God was glorified in that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse number 19 and 20. Number ni- verse number 19 and 20. It says there, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And when we think about this, boy, we have been bought with a great price. God himself. That he, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. It's amazing that God would experience death for us. That God would condemn sin upon, upon himself. And, you know, when we think about this for Jesus' sake, whether it's Corinth, whether it be here in Sonoma County or anywhere else around the world, we want to see people glorify God in their, in their body and their spirit. And the sad fact of the matter is many people are not glorifying God in their body or in their spirit. And so our desire is to see people's lives saved, and when they're saved, they're changed. God will change them, amen, for Jesus' sake. And look at, look at um, verse number 6 now, for 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, almost reminds me of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 when, he says, let, uh, when God says, let there be light, and there was light 
has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God command the light to shine. Amen? God command the light to shine. Now, if we look at John 1, John chapter um, 1, John 1, verse 6 to 9, John 1, verse 6 to 9, John 1, verse 6 to 9. Here's the Lord, he's shining our hearts. And look at John chapter 1, verse 6 to 9 there. It says here in John 1, verse 6 to 9, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Now, when we think of that term witness, we don't remember use that often, but if there's a, 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 a criminal case of some sort, or civil case, when they call witnesses, what are witnesses for in a criminal or civil case? To testify what they know about a certain situation, right? To testify what they have seen or heard, is that right? What they have witnessed, what they've seen or heard. And here, um, there's a man, John, and he was to be a witness. Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, he was not that light. So John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's interesting. So people are born blind. They're born dead in trespasses and sins. But God says, but I want a light. He's lightened, which lighteth every man that has come into the world. Anyone who has been born in this world, God says, I want this light to shine in them. I've, I've, I've already, uh, I've, I've shown my light. I've lightened every man into, into the world. But again, you turn on the lights, if the person is blind, they're blind. But God wants to open the light, and God is more powerful than the devil who wants to keep them blind. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of, I am the, light of the world. And I mentioned this morning, but let's, let's go to Matthew 5 again. Let's go to Matthew 5. I kind of just quoted it in passing, but Matthew 5. Verse number 13 to 16. God is the, Jesus, I am the light of the world. In John 8, verse 12, I'll just, I'll, I'll turn quickly, you can go to Matthew chapter 5. But it says, I am the light, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the, if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Okay, so if salt has lost its taste, then, then it's, it's essentially worthless. Okay, so as Christians, we ought to have flavor. Okay, I ought to have flavor. It shouldn't be bland, but we ought to have flavor. We ought to have hope that lies within us. We ought to have joy. We ought to have excitement because, boy, our life has meaning. Wherewith shall be salted? For it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden down on the foot of men. But look at verse number 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Again, that word hid. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. But it cannot be hid. It shouldn't be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How are we shining? How are we shining uh, this afternoon? How are we shining recently? Can we shine a little bit better for the Lord? He's lighted every man that comes into the world. 
and look at uh, first, Second Corinthians 4. We're coming to a closure. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians 4. Because I tell you, you know, there's some stories we, we never really hear all of it. But Paul says, such were some of you. I mean, there were some pretty bad people there in First Corinthians chapter 6. There, but he says, some of you came out of this lifestyle. Such were some of you. So someone was shining. Someone didn't hide the, what they knew about God so that others could hear the message. Ninevites. Wow, how did Ninevites turn? Well, you had, you had a, a prophet named Jonah who didn't even want to go. And even after they responded to God and God spared them, he was angry with God. So he definitely didn't go there with a heart full of mercy, compassion, forgiveness, and love for them. But wow, God spared Nineveh in spite of his prophet. God's grace, his mercy, his love. Let's look at his power. Look at um, verse number 7 now, verse number 7. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is this, what is this treasure that Paul is talking about here. What is this treasure? Okay. The gospel. It could be the gospel message. What other possibilities? What do you think he's alluding to? Knowledge of the glory of God. Okay. Okay. Anything else? The knowledge of the glory of God, the gospel, the good news, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He fulfilled prophecy. Another way we can prove that, boy, this is, this is the word of God, it's true. There are some that believe this, this treasure could also be maybe talking about the, the Holy Spirit of God that living in, inside us, that we, our bodies become his temple. Okay, and that's, that, those could all be a, a powerful, uh, it could also be uh, a possibility there. Um, look at Galatians chapter 1, Galatians 1, verse 23 and 24. 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 Notice Paul's testimony here. It says here, But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And verse 24, and they glorified who? God in me. And how is God in us through the person of his Holy Spirit? They glorified God in me. And how did God change Paul? Boy, he persecuted Christians. He was destroying the faith. He once destroyed it. And how God changed his life and now they begin to glorify God. So they saw, wow, this, this wonderful treasure in earthen vessels, the excellency of the power, definitely is of God, it's not of us. It's definitely not of you and I. To overcome any prejudice that we've had, or that maybe we still have, and say, wow, God can, can, can transform us and give us love in our hearts for God and for the lost. Amen. And I'll share one other verse and then we'll be, we'll be closing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14 and 15. And we'll be closing. You know, if, if we do have a prejudice, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm not here to, 
give, uh, have you have a, a, a guilty conscience or a guilt trip in, in serving God, if we're not shining like we should, if we, if we have maybe perhaps we're high in the gospel, um, it's not my job to convict you or make you feel guilty and I want to get right. I, I believe that's, that's God's job and, and, his, and, and His Word getting us to um, correction and righteousness to get us back on the right path. Second Corinthians chapter 5, look at number 14 and 15, verse number 14 and 15 here. It says here, For the love of Christ, the love of Christ, amen? The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. I'm going to stop here for a moment here. Okay, sometimes, you know, in, the, in our colloquial way of saying things, we say, boy, that person is dead meat. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? If, if, we, if we use that phrase, well, we're, we're dead meat. You know, it's almost, if you use an example here, now I, um, I know that some places you can hunt. How many of you here has ever hunted before? You ever hunted? I don't know, what, what, what animals have you hunted? What animals? Elk? Deer? Huh? Deer? Elk? Anyone ever hunt for bears? Okay, now I know from China we like Peking duck. Okay, roasted Peking duck there. You know, but it's almost as to say if you have a, a duck that's just sitting there, you have a hunter right behind him, the duck does not have any eyes behind the back of his head. He's just a sitting duck. He's dead meat. And when we look at that, I mean, do you see how hopeless we were without Christ? We're absolutely hopeless. It's to say if we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And we're all hopeless without Christ. There's nothing we can do about it. I can't help you, you can't help me. You can't invent another religion that could help me, and I can't invent another false religion to help you. Is that right? I can't say, let me, let me do a, a good deed for you, and you do a good deed for me. I give you a little bit of money, you help walk an old lady across the street, and then it's my turn now. Let's see how many old ladies we can walk across the street. I mean, no, we're, we're all dead. Is that right? I mean, this is, we had no hope. We were dead meat. We were sitting ducks there. But the love of Christ constrained us that we, if we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Look at verse number 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. How does God's love change us? And how do we understand the word constraineth? What does constraineth mean? Is it the idea of making us feel guilty? Mm-hmm. Yes. Controls or directs. Okay. Is there? Yes. Yes. Those are those are all true. Anything else about constraining? It also it should it should motivate us. Should it not? It compels us. So it's not the law and saying, "Boy, I feel guilty, so I need to do more good works, all right, or good deeds." But it's the love of Christ when we were yet. Dead in trespasses and sins. We were all dead. We were all hopeless. There's nothing we can do about our situation. But boy, God would die in our place for our sins against Him. And it should compel us. It should motivate us that we shouldn't live, live for ourselves. We should be living for Him who died for us and He rose again. Amen? Boy, the excellency of power is not in us to change us. I say, Lord, I want to be used of you I don't want to hide the gospel. I don't want to have any prejudice. I don't want to have a conscience that has some type of offense toward God or toward man. I want to have a clear conscience void of that. Amen? I don't want to be a lot. I don't want to be a Jonah. And Lord, if your word says, if some places would have heard the mighty power of the word of God, 
the power, the dynamite, the power of God, the gospel of God who can change Jews and Gentiles alike. If it were done in Sodom, it would have remained. Well, how about that? It would have remained. And I say, Lord, help us to return, to not lose our first love and forget the great price that was paid for our salvation. We were bought with a great price. Is that right? Therefore, glorify your God, uh, glorify God in our body, in our spirit. And it ought to grieve us that there's many and all around us in their body, they're not glorifying God. And boy, we want to see them repent, reconcile with God. And so that whether it's the Chinese, whether it's those in Canada, south of the border, in, in Mexico, South America, Asia, Africa, all the different continents, that people, more and more people would begin glorifying God in the body and the spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen? For Jesus' sake. Why go to Nineveh? For Jesus' sake. I go to Nineveh because God cares. God cares. Let's stand for closing prayer. Stand for closing prayer. And we'll have Pastor Smith come and close the services. I'll just say a short prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord. I'm not worthy to be here, Lord. I just feel sometimes out of place. I don't know why I have been given the privilege to speak three times here. I know that you brought a wonderful man of God here in Pastor Smith. Lord, you, you know my background, my shortcomings, you know my sins. And yeah, I thank you for your mercy and your grace upon my life. And even after you have saved me, Lord, you know I have been a faithful servant. But thank you, Lord, for washing my feet afresh and anew like you did Peter and we're able to hit the reset button and work in hearts Lord you know I'm, I know that you love all your children here you don't operate by guilt by making people feel bad Although sometimes that's not a bad thing that causes us to maybe your chastening rod but Lord you want us to be constrained by your love that we're not living for ourselves, but for you. Lord, help us to overcome whether it's prejudice or um, a conscience that's not completely clear. I know a lot dealt with that. But help us, Lord, to um, shine brightly for you. Or shine better than maybe we, we, we have been in recent days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.